Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome and welcome. If you want to help make the world a better place, then it's time to run or drive, as the case may be, with the Game Changers, and this is where the best run. So there. I have a bunch of buzz quotes to open the show. Let me set the stage here. We're going to do this a little differently than usual, so hang tight. First up, I have some information from a website called Jazel or Jazel, J-A-Z-E-L auto.com, and they have four top automotive industry trends to watch in 2018. Number one is sales slow down. Number two, ride sharing. Number three, electric vehicles are about to boom. And number four, customer centricity is king. We hear that last one in a lot of industries. Here's buzz number two from a lady named Iona Sima, printing or writing in Digitalist Magazine, digitalistmag.com at SAP. She writes, by 2020, there will be 250 million IoT, that's Internet of Things Connected Cars, on the world streets. Just close your eyes and picture that. And buzz number three is from PWC, and they write, welcome to the age of radical change in the automotive industry, and the trends they see that are transforming automotive are, the automotive future is electrified, autonomous, shared, connected, and yearly updated. I don't think I need to read the rest because it's all encapsulated there. So... Are you trying to keep up with the buzz in what I'm calling the innovation-driven automotive industry? It's full of headlines. It's full of news, probably a lot of controversy, a lot of predictions. A lot of analysts are saying, well, this will be a boom and this will be a bust. Well, we have got two automotive experts here. You know them both. They've been on many, many times here on the Future of Cars with Game Changers, and they're going to help us analyze breaking news, debunk some of the rumors, I hope, and they're going to weigh in on the, they're both very outspoken, very opinionated, and that's why we want them here, weigh in on the trends in the industry that I say is perpetually in motion. Let me tell you who they are briefly, and then we'll get started. First up, joining me again for so many times, and many of these special versions of Game Changers, Bill Newman. He's William, but he lets me call him Bill, automotive expert at SAP, and he is at the Center of Automotive Research Management Briefing Seminar, and that's C-A-R, CAR MBS, and he's going to discuss uncertainty in the industry, and he's going to add a little touch of optimism for the future, and the other side of the the seat is Joe Barkai on the right side of the table. Independent industry analyst Joe's been with us often on these shows for years. He'll focus on mobility, connected cars, the future of traditional OEMs, including, here's breaking news, GM's launch of Maven peer-to-peer car sharing program. So welcome to Bill and Joe. And Bill's going to start us off with a quote he has sent me from a lady named Amrita Sahasrabude, and she is Director of Marketing at Aramac Parks and Destinations. I don't find anything more about her, but great quote. Here we go. Take a risk, because what works today will work tomorrow, but what worked yesterday may work again. Bill Newman, where in the world are you today? And welcome back. How have you been? I'm great, Bonnie, and uh, well, uh, hello, and um, greetings from beautiful Traverse City in up north Michigan, where the um, CAR MBS program is going on this week. 
Well, glad to have you. And as part of this was your idea, we wanted to do something about the headlines. And you said, hey, I'll call in from the CARMBS. And here you are. So thank you, Bill. Bill, tell me about this quote. It sounds like it's a mixture of looking forward, looking backward, innovating, but accepting that you might recycle ideas and things. What does it mean to us in terms of automotive industry, Bill? Yeah. So, um, and again, thanks for that. I mean, it's, uh, it, it really is just that. So I think we'll talk about it with the panel today, but I think that there are a lot of new trends that are repurposing old ideas, uh, things that we've done before, like building uh, personal use driven sedans that um, may not be available any longer. So, you know, we've had plenty of conversations on the show about how much we all like to drive and what that might look like in the future and what we might not be able to do in the future. But I think the good news is, is that there's lots of opportunities for mobility and transportation, just how we get there. As an example, repurposing some of those sedans to be, you know, multi-use, um, you know, autonomous connected uh, transport vehicle platforms uh, could provide great opportunity um, for the disabled, the elderly, uh, the, the highly mobile youth uh, generation. Um, so it really opens up a lot of doors while, you know, admittedly potentially, you know, closing a few old, uh, old, old trends. So, um, yeah, well, it's just a really exciting time. And no one company has picked the business model to go forward. Um, but some megatrends are emerging, which is really exciting. Things are starting to crystallize. So, Again, just a really great time to be active in the industry. So many new and different things, and um, again, a lot of uh, a lot of old heritage, if you will, are starting to manifest itself in the direction that a lot of automakers are coming in, and and new ones are joining. Thank you very much, Bill. I, I love the second part of the quote: "What worked yesterday may work again," and that reminds me of my favorite French quote: "Plus ça change, plus la même chose." The more things change, the more they stay the same. Bill, do you think people will always want to drive cars? Those of us who know and love what it feels like to be behind the wheel and to deal with all of the wonderful joys and glory of car ownership, even if we don't know them, do you think that most of us will still want to have control of that wheel? Just a, a personal note from you. What do you think? I think that everyone is fascinated with transportation and uh, being able to move faster than, you know, a human typically can, you know, almost like flight. Um, and I think there's going to be a need to access that, a desire, a market purpose to access that. Then the question is, well, what's the consumer really, you know, interested and able to do if they don't want to purchase the car as we know it and put it in their garage and use it maybe only 20% of its available time? Um, and, and this gets very interesting when we look at lateral industries like truck fleets and motorcycles and even bicycles. And my God, we just had scooter Mageddon out in San Francisco where we had <laughs> ride sharing scooters available and people were just leaving them everywhere. Oh my God, the travesty of it all. You know, on streets <laughs> all over San Francisco. And people got really annoyed about that. And San Francisco arguably is one of the more forward thinking metropolitan areas that we have in North America around transportation, one would think. So, you know, so even there is an example of, you know, we kind of get out in front of our skis a little bit when we're trying to come up with these new ideas. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't quite work as well as we planned. So just an example. But to your point, I think that there's always going to be an interest and a desire for that. It's just, again, a question of how, how we actually are able to make that available to people who want that. 
Thank you, Bill. I like that reality check. I just traded in my 20, what was it, a 2008 Midnight Blue 350Z ragtop in gorgeous shape with 32,000 miles, and I traded in for a 2015 370 with pearl white with a red ragtop with uh, 20,000 miles. And this is my fifth Z, and I just still get a thrill getting in that car. I get such a thrill. It just, it mentally, I'm just flying here in North Carolina. When it says 65, you know, you're going to be doing 75. When it says 70, you know, everybody's hitting up to low 80s. It's just the way, never had so much fun driving in my life. Anyway, just a personal note, don't take away my wheels. Thank you, Bill Newman. And let's give you a rest for a second. I'm going to go slightly around the table and welcome back one of our other favorite industry experts, Joe Barkai. Joe is also the author of a book called The Outcome Economy. And Joe is quoting Paul Safo, Safo, S-A-F-F-O, born in 1954 in L.A. I call him a very young guy, who is a technology forecaster based in Silicon Valley. He's a consulting professor in the School of Engineering at Stanford, board member of the Long Now Foundation. Uh, Paul Safo has degrees from Harvard College, Cambridge University, and Stanford. He's written many books and on and on and on. And he's a member of the Curiosity Stream Advisory Board. I love that in his bio. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Joe, but Paul was initiated into the humorous Ancient and Honorable Order of Eclampus Vitus in 2009, where he is the chairman of the most important committee. (laughs) I'm sorry, that cracked me up. Here is the quote Joe has selected from Paul Sappho. Quote, never mistake a clear view for a short distance, except that you must. Joe Barkai, where in the world did you find this quote? And welcome back. Good morning, Bonnie. Good to be back. Um, it, this quote has been a favorite of mine for quite some time for um, reasons I think are obvious, but I'll try to explain. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I've used it before in this context. Because, you know, the metaphor is kind of obvious. Imagine you're standing maybe on a mountain mm-hmm. top and you see another top and say it's very short distance to go to. But then, of course, you ignore the fact that there are kind of um, valleys and, and ravines and uh, yeah, unexpected obstacles and so on. And I think it's very typical of the automotive industry today. We have a lot of great ideas. Everybody comes up with those ideas and trends and maybe reflecting on the trends that you listed, Bonnie, in the beginning. I didn't capture mm-hmm. all of them, but here's my kind of immediate reaction. First of most of them are not, well, they are trend because they've been around for a while. They're not really new. So Fair I didn't enough. hear any, any innovative thought behind them. Um, you know, connected cars, there are going to be so many connected cars. Yes, but why is this important and to whom? Who cares? Uh, we tend to talk about, you know, visions, but not necessarily explain why these are important or not. Electric, electric vehicles, absolutely. But I think, and I'm sure we talked about this in the past, uh, the rate of adoption is not going to be as fast as maybe many people think. And what's very often missing from those type of predictions is what is the necessary change in society? What is the necessary um, ecosystem that is required to make these visions um, a reality? With the, you know, with the pros and cons and the benefits and the, the, the risks in these, um, in these changes. I think the automotive industry still thinks about most of those problems as being technical, mechanical. You know, we need to solve this technical problem. We need to come up with this algorithm. And, of course, these are necessary um, to get to the next point. But, again, this is a clear vision that ignores all the plights in the, pro- in the way from here to there. And, and the industry is full of those examples, 
uh, and we continue making those, um, I don't want to say mistake, but we continue ignoring the harsh reality of life. Um, and, and so the, the, the second part of this quotation, of course, is, yes, what I said now with my kind of um, scars on uh, <laughs> with the scars on my back, uh, this may be the reality, but um, as, as uh, active members of the of this industry, certainly as part of the uh, innovative and startup community, we need to ignore those obstacles and think further out and continue taking the, the uh, you know, and brave the path, if you will. Uh, but I think that, again, we are um, underestimating the complexities, the surrounding technology insertion and the fundamental changes in society uh, that will happen as a result of those new technologies. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. And what if you had to pick right now, just at the top here, if you had to pick a trend and you, you were well put to say to me that a lot of what I mentioned in the opening, they're not trends because they've been a, around a while. After a while, a trend, it either takes root or it goes away, right, Joe? It becomes a fact of life or it just fades and it was a trend that never really materialized or never had sticking power, staying power. But if you had to tell me what to you is the the most exciting trend in automotive right now, what would that be? It's kind of hard to separate those because they're all related, they're all connected. Um, so I think the electric propulsion is certainly important. Uh, it's only one small piece, but it's critical to move forward. Uh, I think, again, we're a little bit um, you know, early in the process. But the whole idea about connectivity and not connected cars as much as connected occupants, I'm kind of almost um, referring mm-hmm. to the era in which um, drivers and passengers are one and the same. So connected occupants um, bring a lot of benefits. Um, and then Bill, I think, mentioned that. We, we really think about uh, autonomous cars not so much as one that will compete with your cute new um, Z car, but rather <laughs> transportation for the elderly and people with disabilities. Yeah, um, Bill mentioned that also. Asset utilization and so on. Yeah, I, I, I think we need to really focus on those. And that really means that perhaps our aspiration, no, well, the bench or the, the 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 limit is perhaps a little bit lower than having so many cars on highways we can probably look for special applications those that serve specific populations in specific areas and this will help propel the technology forward lower lower the cost because in some cases cost is still very you know it's prohibitive prohibitive mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and, and 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 develop trust uh, on the part of the population very, very important, especially with self-driving. And Joe, do you still enjoy driving a car, getting behind the wheel, parking a car, uh, taking yes. it out? Yes, what do you yes. think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those yes and no's. Of course, I enjoy weekend drive, you know, open windows and countryside. I, since you and I spoke last, I actually moved five miles further out of Boston, in better, deeper into kind of the woods and so on. So I enjoy this part. But do I enjoy going to the airport? Not at all. I mean, I certainly <laughs> call one of these ride-sharing services. Why should I drive? Yeah, it's a waste of time. I'm with you there, Joe. I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Um, Good to I, know. If, if I, now, you know what I want to do? I just want to go around, and, and Joe said to me, are we going to do what's in your cup today? And I said, Joe, of course, this is still Game Changers Radio, even though we're doing a slightly more casual, less structured format today. And by the way, I have to do a shout-out to Miranda Labate, who has put this together. Miranda, wonderful, always having Joe and Bill on a show. Terrific. And shout-out to Uli Munch and to Judy Kubis and to uh, Aswin. I don't have 
his last name in front of me, but you all know who you are at the automotive team at SAP. This is shaping up to be a very interesting conversation. But let's go around the table. And Joe, since you were the one who asked about it, (laughs) I'm going to ask you, are you anywhere near where you said your home is today? And what's your favorite drink that powers you, that fuels you? I'm trying to use automotive terms here, Joe, so please forgive me. What powers you and fuels you in your cup at any time of the day or night? Joe Barkai, go ahead. Right. So the first question was where I'm calling from. So I'm yep. calling from my home office, and all I see from the window are trees. So that, that makes me happy. That makes writing much more, uh, you know, pleasant experience and hopefully more productive. Um, what fuels me, I, I actually, my um, liquid diet, I split between coffee uh, and it's not an energy drink, but one of these kind of very complex protein things. So, I, you know, because it's a long story, but I, my, my, I'm primarily vegetarian, so this helps me on the, on the part of the protein. So before I go to the gym, uh, then that's my, what fuels me, to use your metaphor. Mm-hmm. Thank you and very what I much. Say, though, is uh, yes. I'm not sure what I have because my old espresso <laughs> machine broke, and I have a new one, and I'm <sighs> still trying to figure out if it's if I like the taste or not. <laughs> well, I won't <laughs> ask for the brand name. Joe, you wrote the book. I mentioned the book, The Outcome Economy. Anything new on the book front from you? Anything you want to tell us about? Uh, well, it's it's doing well. I continue to use the metaphor. You know, the, the the book talks about the outcome economy. So it's one of those. It's an answer to this very, very profound question: Who cares? <laughs> so when we talk about technology, <laughs> why is this important, and to whom? We all love technology. We all come from technology. I spent so many years actually building products, but now my role is to ask: Why is this important, and to whom, and and how, and what are potentially this negative side effects of those technologies. So the, the theme of thinking about business outcomes uh, continues to drive my writing. And, and the kind of a secondary level or a secondary conversation from that would be what are the, uh, sometimes society, what are the society, societal and sometimes the ethical implications of, of those technologies. Thank you very much, Joe. And let's go around the table again to Bill Newman. Bill, I think we know where you are already. What's in your cup? And let's just move that over, move that question aside, because you probably are at a hotel and you may not be drinking what you really love. So what's your favorite drink of all time, Bill Newman? How about that? Wow. Was that a setup or what? <laughs> <laughs> you bet it was. Um, yeah, it was. So, um, so I'm having Leelana Roasting House Coffee. It's one of the coffee houses up here in northern Michigan uh, in the Traverse City area. It's excellent if you're ever coming through, but listeners, of course, know that um, I'm a big fan of the holiday Irish cream recipe. Uh-huh. And I think, Bonnie, you know that last year we actually cut a batch of bourbon cream made with a little um, caramel sundae topping, which was pretty much out of this world. And um, if anybody wants the recipe, they can go to my blog on the view from sea level and uh, borrow with pride if they would like to use it. <laughs> You've always been very generous with that recipe. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Bill. Forward. <laughs> I know, I know, and all the happy, smiling faces of people who enjoy the. I still haven't tried it, but I think I'm going to. I've gave, given up sugar for some strange reason. I don't know why. Sugar and cake and 
baking and ice cream and feeling feeling better actually it's working but it's a it's a slow drive shall we just say uh bill and joe probably both remember that they don't let and they is just the you know the institutional they there's really no they but they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days and you all know why we're doing a special round table today with two industry experts we really don't need anyone else on the panel because they're also tuned in and driven to talk about what is going on in automotive. So our topic today is automotive update inside the headlines at CARMBS 2018. Bill, we're going to take a quick break, but can you just define what is happening at this event? Why are you there? Yeah, sure. So um, for those listeners who may not be aware, um, this came years ago out of a University of Michigan um, executive uh, education initiative, and uh, that group since had become its own uh, organization, Center of Automotive Research, and they kept the um, management briefing seminars around. And it really is the annual event for automotive makers and industry trends. And and we put it in a resort setting, so a lot of uh, executives and leaders bring their families. They make a week of it. It's a very relaxed environment. Um, there's a lot of business and golf, of course, that's being made, but a lot of very relaxed conversations and kind of the old, you know, it harkens back to the old Detroit days where, you know, and maybe not so old days, you know, because a lot of business apparently is done on the soccer field with our kids playing soccer together and things like that. But it really does take you back to that personal time where deals were made on a handshake and uh, partnerships were, you know, made over a nice lunch, you know, and, and a really easy time. So um, it, it's it's almost romantic that way, uh, in a sense, but there's also definitely, you know, make no mistake, there's a lot of, you know, economics and business. Today's forecast day, uh, yesterday was some big trends. We'll go into some of those in a bit, but, um, um, and typically there's a number of earning reports that are released. Some were released last week, so it's, it's usually a pretty big day, and of course, um, there was a moment of silence for the passing of the of the Fiat Chrysler uh, chair and executive Sergio mm-hmm. Marchione yesterday, yeah. uh, which really did take a number of people by surprise. And um, so, you know, it's a time. It's it's a, yet again another time to come together and reflect on the year and uh, make make uh, views into what's going to happen in the next year to come. I'm happy to know that people are still getting together face-to-face and doing what you said, Bill, having lunch and having dinners and talking and remembering. That's important. Joe, have you been to this conference before, the CAR-MBS? Uh, not, 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 not recently. No, not recently. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to give you both a break for a second, uh, Bill. No Irish cream for you right now. We have business to talk about. We're going to take a quick break and regroup here because we're talking about the headlines again. This topic is automotive update inside the headlines at CARMBS 2018 with my very special guests, Bill Newman at SAP and Joe Barkai, industry analyst. And if you want to look up Joe, find out more about him. His last name is spelled B-A-R-K-A-I. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. In case you missed that part, I didn't even introduce myself, but the intro guide did. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back talking about the headlines. Let's do a deep dive and see what in the world is going on. We're going to start off with something about GM Ford and Fiat Chrysler's earnings, according to the opinion, uh, the view from the sea level with Bill Newman, and we'll see what Joe has to say. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You all know the drill by now. We'll be right back. Aaron out. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of cars with Game Changers. And we're back talking about trends and realities, predictions, implications, what's happening in automotive with my special guests, Joe Barkai, independent industry analyst in automotive, and Bill Newman at SAP. We're going to kick this off and talk about technology. That's what we do here on Game Changers Radio. Bill Newman, I know you have so many things you want to talk about, but let's talk tech. Let's talk electric. Let's talk IoT. Let's talk connected cars. Let's talk connected people in connected cars. Let's talk autonomous. What is going on? We're 2018. This is, believe it or not, July 31st. I still... Bill and Joe, I still don't know where the year has gone. Never seen a year go so fast. I, I know the older you get, the faster they go. Please don't tell me that. But seriously, what are the, the tech trends right now in automotive that we need to be paying attention to? Bill, give us a couple of your top trends and we'll see what Joe says. Go ahead. Yeah, no, this is, this is really an interesting um, year because we've been talking about connected autonomous shared electric vehicles or what we call CASE for some time. Um, and there are business models emerging to put that in place. Um, so last week, Daimler and Ford joined GM, Toyota, and other OEMs in talking about how a three-pronged business model would work. So, you know, your traditional business of having the personal vehicle in your that you own, that you drive, and you park in your garage. Mm-hmm. The second is around the connected piece, which really is more the technology platform that's going to enable moving people, goods, and things from place to place, Um, and then the heavy vehicle um, space, which arguably could go uh, connected uh, and autonomous quicker, particularly for last mile um, purposes. Um, And so companies are moving in that way to consider their business model in those three different segments. And if you look at connected, it was really interesting. Um, yesterday at the conference, we had both speakers from Audi and NVIDIA talking about how the massive computing power going from the traditional CPU um, processing unit to a GPU, a graphic processing unit, allows you to compress the data and amplify the simulated use of a, of a, of a connected vehicle 
uh, drive miles by something like a factor of 160 to one. It was pretty incredible. So for all those drive miles where you see the Google, you know, the Google car driving around mapping and stuff, for example, it can't always capture enough drive miles, um, for example, in dusk or when there's heavy shadows. But if we create a digital twin and a simulation of that using these highly data, high massive data uh, compressed environments, um, using the GPU-based technology, you can do that. You can drive, you can simulate those, those miles and those effects and, and uh, what, what a connected vehicle might do in those circumstances time over time over time. And in doing that, people are beginning to figure that the natural order of going uh, to connected autonomous shared electric might actually be autonomous, which arguably we're doing already with a lot of, you know, brake assist and, and uh, you know, shared uh, driver assist type of features to electric or electrification of platforms to sharing of those platforms to full autonomy. So I guess what would that be? You know, here we are, we're reordering acronyms we've already created. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be more of the, you know, um, autonomous, the, I guess that would be autonomous electric <laughs> shared, connected, I don't know, whatever. So, you know, it's kind of funny. We were joking yesterday. Yeah, we're, we're influencing the industry one acronym at a time, and we're reordering all the letters as we do it. So um, but that's just really interesting because now there's been enough time working on it that people are beginning through trial and error to know, okay, here's what we need to know. Here's what we know already. Here's what we think will work. Um, and here's where we're going to start to put our bets, at least for the next five years, while technology and, of course, regulatory environment catches up. So I think that that's really the first time that things are starting to settle. And we're moving off the hype curve in this conceptual conversations of, you know, Jetson, here's how we're going to get around, you know, in the future to more, here's really how we can do it. And here's what we can do today. And here's, I think, what our you know, how we're going to commit our financial assets to go do it for the next five to 10 years. Things will change, you know, and not every one company is going to have the same business model. Um, you know, arguably, um, Waymo is the biggest, um, I've said it before, Waymo is the biggest uh, buyer of, of Chrysler Pacificas. I mean, they're and literally, they, they, are, they, they are the fleet of Chrysler Pacificas. And so in that case, you know, for that brand, you know, Chrysler's a, a tier two to Waymo. So, you know, things are moving around and everybody's going to kind of figure out, do we want to own a fleet? Do we want to manage a fleet? Do we want to build cars? Do we just want to build platforms? Do we want to do the technology that'll go into the platforms? And as, as was discussed yesterday at the conference, there are a number of base camps to get to the same summit. And so everyone's going to pick their path, just like a, an expedition will, to get to the same place. But we all may take very different journeys to get there. Thank you. I think there was a lot of poetry in there, Mr. Newman. I can't wait to hear what Joe Barkai has to say. Joe, anything, everything that Bill said, agree, disagree, what's your thought? Yes, where, where, where do I start? Uh, so maybe I'll start with the very end. I think that the mere fact that we think that there's a common goal and different ways of achieving it, fundamentally, of course, is a true statement. I think this case is really just yet another example of the state of industry. So um, if I heard some optimism, Bill, in what you said, I wish I was uh, um, an optimist But uh, in this regard. But let, let's look at the kind of slightly higher level trends beyond just core technology. Of course, I, I agree with the you know, CPU versus GPU and so on. But this really serves the interest of NVIDIA and Intel. 
uh, it doesn't really impact the industry as much. These are still enablers. They are not really fundamental changes. Uh, they don't cause fundamental changes um, in business models. So on the good news side, if you will, um, there's a lot of innovation, a lot of external innovation. Whenever I hear about GM and, and Toyota and whoever come together to make a decision, I mm-hmm. you know, look at it and say, yeah, right, let's, let's see what happens. In six months, will they form another partnership or they figure out a new direction to go? I don't have much uh, trust, and this may be, may be a strong word, in terms of their ability to, uh, to execute a vision. And we've seen this for many, many years. Um, in the past, we were able to sort of control their destiny. They dictated their destiny, whether it was right or wrong. They lost this ability, uh, in part because of um, external innovations. So we see you know, Google and then Amazon and everybody else uh, and Panasonic taking part of the value chain of automotive. So on the good news side, you see companies like, I don't know, Toyota with e-pallets, you know, configurable cars. Uh, the mere fact that Toyota allows um, Amazon or Alexa in the car is interesting because it's not only a matter of adopting technology, it's about al- allowing a technology that resides in the cloud to be part of the driver experience. So that's positive. Um, at the same time, you see companies like Tesla, the challenging manufacturing practices and going back to um, vertical integration and not very successfully. And I I've been saying this for a number of years, and unfortunately, I was right in where Tesla is heading. Uh, so far, I'm, I'm really concerned about their ability to ramp up manufacturing as necessary. What's really missing from, from the conversation, and I think I mentioned this earlier, is where is the ecosystem, where are the business models, not only in terms of saying, okay, if we have this, we can create this business model, but rather direct investment uh, and influence of the, of the uh, ecosystem. We're seeing some, some movement, but I think it's a bit more OEMs are kind of hedging their, bed, their bets rather than really driving it. So, Bonnie, you mentioned GM and Maven kind of peer-to-peer um, mm-hmm. model. I am not convinced this is what GM wants to do as much as they're kind of hedging their bets and say, well, we don't know, so therefore let's say we're there. Um, you see Ford doing that in, in other areas. I find it actually cute that Ford even, um, what's the name? I think it's called Go Bike in San Francisco. So Ford has kind of bike sharing facilities there, which is kind of cute. But again, it's not their business. It's really a way to try to figure out where things are heading. Uh, Toyota and the same same, same way Toyota is investing in, in Uber, Volkswagen investing in Get, the taxi hailing application, and so on. It's really, really, really confusing. Uh, and I think the technology is not the, the answer. But one day, let, just I'll close with one more, more point mm-hmm. about um, technology. And I think, Bill, you mentioned a little bit about that. We still have some challenges in technology that are not core propulsion or, or communication strategy uh, or technology, but rather challenges around simulation. And Bill mentioned that simulation that's necessary to really reach level five, level six automation uh, is still a big challenge. Uh, and, and another one that um, we have to worry about is cybersecurity and more so privacy. I think we'll resolve the security in a way. Uh, I'm not sure about data privacy, and I'm really concerned about having the right mechanisms to, con- mm-hmm. to manage data rights and data privacy. Thank you, Joe. Data privacy certainly is something that impacts all of us, uh, notwithstanding GDPR that took effect on May 25th, but it certainly is something that concerns people who are in almost any industry. But, Joe, you mentioned something. Of course, I looked it up. I was intrigued when you mentioned the 
Ford Go Bike. And yes, you can just go to FordGoBike.com. It says grab an e-bike and go. The Ford Go Bike Plus is live in San Francisco, a fun and affordable way to get around. A single ride is $2 a trip, great for one ways. It's a limited time offer. An access pass is 10 bucks a day, unlimited 30-minute rides for 24 hours. And you can join monthly for $15, and they tell you all about it. Unlock, ride, and return to any station bike share for all. And they even show popular rides around the Bay Area. Joe, would you ever do anything like that? Are you a bike rider? Yes, I'm a bike rider. I never actually rented. No, actually, I did in Barcelona once. No, I think it's great. It's a great idea. It, 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 you know, we can spend a lot of time say why it's important and good, and, and good for, for everybody. So I like it. Although in Boston, I would never drive. I'll never ride my bike in Boston. I ride, you know, in the rural areas. But the, the main point behind this um, case is that it's Ford investing. It. It's not a small startup. It's not another. Yeah. It's not a municipality, but Ford. And again, Ford trying to really, Ford in this case is trying to move the conversation from um, vehicle technology, from transportation even to mobility. One of the more interesting challenges going forward, and we have to address those when we think about future mobility, is public-private transit interaction and synchronization. So how do personal cars, buses, trains, bicycles even coordinate movement not only in terms of safety, but in terms of managing the first and last mile. If, if you are, you know, we talked a lot about how much we like to drive, how much we like our cars. Mm-hmm. But there are many people who do not own cars. Many people have to take two, maybe three buses to work. But of course, it's highly inefficient. So, you know, you take a bus, probably 4 a.m., you get to the first stop, and then you have to wait half hour for the next bus, and the third bus may be late, or you just miss it by 30 seconds. We certainly are capable of creating... Um, kind of intertransportation models that coordinate those activities. So the bus will pick you up at the right time, will not stop at the bus stop when there's nobody there, get you to the train so you can hop on the train in time, etc. This, this is much more interesting to me to solve these days. I, I agree. I just mm-hmm. talked to a friend who came back from a wonderful cruise trip to Alaska, and she was telling me about the six to eight hour, this is airlines, but the six to eight hour layovers in the middle of the night in airports just trying to get back here to Durham. I think she traveled for a day and a half just to get home. It was it was just nothing was coordinated. Everything was all over the map. And I'm sure she had, I'm sure she took an Uber or some kind of ride sharing from the Durham airport here. We're about about eight miles away. Uh, just, just a grueling trip and it, it just shouldn't have to happen in this day and age. Uh, Bill exactly. Newman. Bill, talk to me. I, I love Joe's concept. Well, his question is, how do we coordinate cars, buses, trains uh, in our transportation system? Any thought about that? Anything, any trends you're seeing from your vantage point? Well, yeah. And I think um, particularly, as I mentioned earlier, if you look towards, you know, the heavy truck, particularly what I'll call the, the medium commercial vehicle space, um, where Already, we're starting to see applications to help facilitate parking and um, and and gas and other driver-related services. I'm like you, Joe. I call you know driver-consumer-related uh, services. But in the future, as you begin to uh, kind of a bad expression, but for lack of a better one, dehumanize the cab for those last-mile deliveries, particularly in heavy urban areas 
there's a certain element of coordination um, and scheduling that has to happen. I think, Joe, you, you alluded to this in your comments. And, and what we're beginning to see is, is that there's a lot of um, onus now being put on um, city and municipal governments now to basically establish their grid or what in, 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 the, in the technology space from a vehicle perspective, the field of play, where, you know, you're not just because you, you, autom- um, you automate your vehicles doesn't mean that you aren't going to eliminate gridlock. There has to be you know, certain scheduling, just like, you know, you were to not have, like you were talking about today, where you're not waiting 30 minutes for the next plane or the next, you know, bus or what have you. So if you can automate the field of play and basically have scheduling where, you know, if a truck is going to do a drop off and if there's a conflict, there can be some dynamic rerouting made so that, you know, three trucks don't show up at the same restaurant, for example, to, you know, deliver fresh vegetables and meats, then, you know, now what you're doing is you're relieving congestion from the streets and you're, you're, you're managing the throughput and flow. And you could idealize that as these smart city grids become more elaborate and become, uh, I guess, a little bit more utopian, that you would have buses and last mile vehicles and personal transportation, um, mobility pods, all staging and gating in a way that um, that there's a free flow of, um, of, of traffic without the traffic as we know it. When I was in school at UCLA, um, my fluid dynamics professor used, used uh, traffic as an example to teach us the difference between compressible flow and incompressible flow. And without going into the physics, you know, you can't squeeze a car, right? You know, there's a certain fixed mass. And so when that vehicle or that, that transport takes up the space, it takes up the space. Nothing else can be in the space. I mean, it is it, at the heart. It, it is what it is. You know, you, you, you're not going to make your street bigger dynamically. But what you can do is you can be smart about when you put that object, that, that vehicle, in front of a location. And then that also begs a conversation of, well, how are we using the actual street lanes? Well, do you need as many wide street lanes? Can you have more narrow street lanes because you've got radar and LIDAR and, and, and um, optic, optical um, cameras and everything to basically allow, you know, these vehicles to be within inches as opposed to feet apart from each other, um, might be a little unnerving to passengers that, you know, initially, but that's, you know, if you're on a, if you're on a, a light rail or something and you're going through some curves and tunnels, you're dealing with that already. And, you know, we, we have seemed to grown accustomed to that. Well, putting that out in a traditional street, figuring out what we need to do with sidewalks to maybe make them a little bit more <laughs> scooter bike friendly mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just pedestrians. These are the things that city planners are talking about right now and how to make that information, that data available and not just available today, but available tomorrow. So being able to collect the information today and then have deployable transmitters that can be updated for whatever four, four G, four and a half G, five G, whatever the next thing is, right, Joe, that, that then comes out so that, you know, city planners don't have to completely, you know, re reinvent their infrastructure. Um, That's a big area of focus right now. And we have to do it hand in glove together. Right. 
Right, right. Thank- I, 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 Go I ahead, Joe. You're touching upon. I'm, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You're touching upon a key point here. Maybe an observation that we in those technology conferences we tend to sort of uh, ignore completely is the complexity of the ecosystem. So going back, I think, to, to what I said earlier in the conversation. So this vision of coordinating the last mile, whether it's deliveries or, or passenger and so on, this, really, this requires collaboration and coordination among multiple ecosystem partners. Not all of them are mobility-related. There could be groceries, there could be hospitals, and so on. And we currently really don't have any mechanism to do that. Uh, connectivity helps. Um, privacy and data governance will have to happen. But we don't even have agreement on, on models, on semantic models, how we exchange information, how we coordinate. So it's sort of, I think, imaginable how we coordinate trucks and buses, but how, uh, or trains rather, trains and buses and, and, um, and so on. But how do we coordinate other deliveries uh, and, and other partners in this ecosystem? And I really appreciate the point about changing the, the urban landscape and then changing the, you know, the, the sidewalks and so on. But if there's one slow sector, so one sector that is very slow to change is, is urban development because streets exist and, and light fixtures and light, street lights exist and then mm-hmm. traffic lights exist and changing them will be a very, very slow and extremely expensive process. And so this, at some point, this will start our, our vision, our model will start hitting against those limitations. Um, and so, so again, uh, I'm not disparaging any of these comments, or I'm, I'm still very optimistic about the future. Just saying, realistically, those are the areas that we need to invest as much vision and energy and development, because otherwise we'll, the technology will hit this glass ceiling. Um, I just want to kind of add another kind of tidbit on this conversation, yes. on this, this part of the uh, so we, we believe that as we move into electric uh, cars and actually autonomous cars, and we hopefully manage traffic more efficiently and hopefully cars talk to, to traffic lights and so on, and all of a sudden congestions uh, will kind of ease off and then streets will be uh, flowing easily. So that's one model. But there's another economic model that says that su- as, as we have more supply, demand will increase. So right now, people avoid driving. They, they try to take public transit just because they hate sitting in traffic, like Bill and I. Uh, at the same time, if we see that there's availability, we'll say, well, why don't I drive instead of calling Uber? So there is one scenario in which we will never get to the point that we have free-flowing uh, traffic because increasing supply will drive corresponding increase in demand. Thank you very much. Uh, I have a question for both of you. Uh, we're, we're almost at our predictions round, but I think we've been doing a lot of predicting. And the question is, privacy is a concern. What should people be aware of from the consumer perspective, Bill first and then Joe, in terms of when you get in a car that has connections, that it, it's bringing you yeah. entertainment, it's bringing you certain types of radio, your phone is plugged in, you can get, uh, I think Apple Play, you can get your text messages on the console, you can get all of your phone calls. What's going out of that car from you that you may yeah. not be aware of? Bill, I, I think this is, maybe it's better left unsaid, but we're going to say it anyway. Go ahead. No, it's it's a hot topic right now, particularly yeah. in aftermarket. So right now, the vehicle itself, outside of you know generally secure 4G communications, which are relatively secure, uh, they're private. Their phone numbers are just like you know your your handset. Um, 
but that there's a discussion in the car. So if, if I, I can't remember for like maybe the last 15, 20 years, we have this ODB2 port that is a diagnostic port. It's under the left side, typically, of your dash. And if mm-hmm. you go into your service station, they plug into it and they get all the different data that comes off the computers that are on the car. And you can actually do tune-ups and upgrades, software upgrades, firmware, things like that. There's a there's a big conversation now with automakers to eliminate the ODB2 port and to move to what I'll call more of a Bluetooth-esque communication uh, protocol, which is very secure, so the OEMs would use it. It would be very difficult for people in the aftermarket and the after-sales business to um, tap into. And that and other what they call DSRC, or dedicated short-range communication um, protocols, which allow components in the car to talk to each other and also to... Uh, look ahead in short-term, mid-term distances with some of the cameras and the, um, the LIDAR sensing and other components. And there's, there's a lot of concern um, because we've already seen it. Um, there's, there's a number of firms that do nothing but hack vehicles. And um, we, we actually saw a uh, case study yesterday of... Um, a deliberate hack where, you know, the driver actually in a semi-autonomous vehicle gave permission for the hacker to depress the brakes and stop the car. So that is what we, that's part of what we know and part of what we know that we kind of think that we know moving forward is, you know, what are the security protocols around how to protect that? Because when you open up the car and you, start to emit communication inside the car, then you make yourself vulnerable to, mm-hmm. you know, bad actors trying to come into the car. Um, so people are aware of that and automakers are aware of that. And they're going to move very, very carefully. Um, for the first time this week, I heard the expression, we're moving from cyber security to cyber safety. Safety, And cyber mm. safety is legit. That is real. That's got liability written all over it for whoever's building the platform, whoever's running the fleet. And again, people are taking that very seriously. So net-net, um, it's, it's known for, there aren't going to be big ships, we think, yet made, uh, but there's a lot of testing going on to ensure that, um, that cyber safety is, is maintained and it's controlled and that, um, you know, net-net, it's good for the utility of the population and doesn't introduce society risk. Um, again, it's a big topic. It is a big topic. We might have to talk Miranda into putting that on one of our next shows. Joe, we have time for about two minutes. We're, we're in our predictions sure. round. I don't even know if we're going to do it. I think we'll end with one sentence of prediction about the industry from each of you. But, Joe, I'd love to hear your thoughts on connected cars and our data privacy. What's your thought? Two minutes. Right. So so, so as, as, as you just said, highlight again, it's privacy, not so much security. So whereas we're developing technology and standards for security, hopefully, uh, we are not paying enough attention to privacy. Uh, so to your point, um, Bonnie, about your car and driving and so on, uh, if I'm allowed to bring another quote from another luminary, yes. uh, let me quote Alfred E. Newman, this is what me worry. <laughs> uh, you know, forget about this. There's no privacy anymore. And it's not really not the car. I mean, wherever you go with your cell phone, you're broadcasting continuously your location. If you go through a toll plaza, your electronic toll collection plaza, you disclose your location. So mm-hmm. these, these are kind of facts uh, of life, and um, we can probably have some mechanisms to 
avoid some of those things, but uh, we, we are willing to give up privacy uh, up to a point for convenience. So the convenience of not stopping to, pour, to pay at the toll plaza, um, it's convenience that I'm willing to, for, for which I'm willing to give up privacy. Um, it, it's much more, I think, about the management of data. So if we go back to the model that we talked about, coordination between different modalities and co- coordination between or among multiple um, ecosystem partners, the question is how do we govern the data exchange among those? What happens when someone leaves the partnership? Uh, we onboard one. Um, it's, it's a big topic. Uh, we are very early in the process. Uh, we don't have enough um, uh, legal precedents and we don't have best practices. Uh, so we'll have to wade through this uh, primarily, I think, in court for quite some time. Uh, the nearest example that we have to deal with is what happens in the case of, uh, of an accident. Who has the right and what are the mechanisms to allow them to uh, read your car's data? I think the current practice or the, the kind of working assumption is that the OEMs own the data. There are many mm-hmm. that disagree, especially in Europe, because they think that you, the driver, uh, own the data, uh, but it will have to be tested in court. Okay, that's a show in itself. One sentence wrap up, Bill Newman, one sentence on what you predict, just one sentence for automotive between, let's say, by 2020. Bill and then Joe, one sentence each because we're out of time. Bill? Um, automakers will understand their pathway to affect case the different case technologies, and they each will settle on their business model to make that happen. Thank you very much, Joe Barkai. Go ahead, one sentence. Okay, so, so, yeah, so between now and that year, twenty twenty-five, uh, uncertainty and disruption will continue, and those that will emerge as winners are the ones that manage their ecosystem both in development and in customer-facing market, they, are, they, they will be the winners. The ecosystem winners will be the business winners. Thank you very much. It's been such a pleasure speaking with both of you. Thank you so much for joining me on more of a free forum game changers than we usually do. 30 seconds to end. And of course, the closing, my call to action is so appropriate on the series, even more than our 37 other series. Bill, we have 37 series right now. So here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like everybody on the team who helped set the show up, especially Miranda LeBate, Judy Cubis, Uli Munch. And thank you to Bill Newman, and thank you to Joe Barkai, and thank you to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. So, again, fasten your seatbelt. If you're driving or not, you're going to need one. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. We'll be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, for a live edition of our flagship series, Coffee Break with Game Changers. Get your cup ready. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com.